Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event. Fight fans worldwide, you've tuned into the number one undisputed boxing podcast today. This is the Boxing Breakdown. Now, your heavy-handed, hard-hitting host, Mark Roxy. What's up, what's up, what's up, my friends? What's going on today? I hope you are having a blessed day wherever you are, wherever you may be. Uh, I'm delighted to be here today, and uh, I will tell you that I am so excited uh, for the upcoming, uh, several upcoming months of boxing. It's going to be outstanding, and I know that you are all excited about it as well. And um, today we are going to have uh, professional boxing judge Harold Hunt, uh, and we're also going to have Paul Haberman Esquire, boxing attorney, uh, who will be joining us, and we will be breaking down the Canelo Alvarez saga, okay? We're going to break it all down for you. And um, it should be quite an interesting breakdown. So we're calling this episode the Judge, Counsel, and Jury. And that's because we have my good friend Harold Hunt, the judge. We've got my uh, legal counsel, Paul Haberman, who's joining us. And, of course, you, the Boxing Breakdown fans, are the jury. And so... Uh, I'm I'm just uh, delighted to have these folks in today. So without further ado, let's see if I can get Harold Hunt to join in on this episode. Okay, so let's go. Let's get this thing started. What's up? What's up? What's up? Is this Harold Hunt? Yes, it is. What's up? What's up? What's up? What's going on? I'm here. Man? How are you? I know you're here. I'm 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 very very thankful that you are here. What's going on? Oh man, boxing is hot. Oh. Yeah. Boxing is certainly hot. It's there's so much going on in boxing and uh you know, I'm trying to zero in on a couple of things that are really really material and important to us and um I've been trying to get you on the horn for quite a while and um also uh i've been looking for my boy uh paul haberman to get him on uh, esquire by the way to get him on the call because i really have been intrigued um and uh somewhat puzzled by the entire canelo alvarez um zone slash golden boy uh, legal entanglement, and I really wanna wanna chop it up with you guys, and and for the boxing breakdown family, I wanna uh, have everybody get a little deeper appreciation for what actually is going on, and uh, put some color around that. What you think? That sounds great. I talked to some people who are just laymen, you know, just boxing fans, and they had some real basic questions about how the lawsuit is structured. Nothing law related in their understanding, but maybe I can uh, ask uh, 
uh, uh, Paul uh, a way what what they want to know uh, in terms they can understand. So I look forward to posing these questions to him. Oh yeah, me too, man. I, I definitely. Um, uh, I think he's going to be uh, joining the call in just a second, man. He's going to be getting on with us, and I can't wait because. For you guys that do not know Paul Haberman Esquire, he is uh, one of the first and foremost um, gentlemen in the sport of boxing. He is also an attorney and represents some very uh, high-profile clients, which he may or may not share with you when he gets on. I always, um, you know, try to keep some confidentiality around uh, his inner workings with folks in the boxing community because he's always working on big deals. And so, yeah, um, we're going to wait for him to call, but Hey, while we're waiting, check this out, man, for, okay. you know, that we are on the eve, the eve, my friend of Vasily Lomachenko against Teofimo Lopez. <laughs> hey, yeah. Stand by, bro. I'm going to add Paul Haberman. My boy's coming on the call right now, so stand by one second. And let me see. Hey, is this Paul Haberman, Esquire? (laughs) Mark, how are you? I'm good, brother. I'm good, man. I've got my man, Harold Hunt, on the call, and I am super excited that you're with us. Happy to be back. Listen, Paul. I was just telling before you before you um, jumped on. I was just telling Harold Hunt that this is the eve of the Vasily Lomachenko and Teofimo Lopez card. It's finally here. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, what do you think? What do you think? Give me give me some predictions. What what what's your feeling, Paul? This is an interesting one. Uh, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to pick against Lomachenko for obvious reasons. On the one hand. But, uh, you know, he's just such an impressive roster where even if he hasn't been winning cleanly or as cleanly as he has historically, he's still beating world-level, you know, elite-level types almost every time out in his career. Uh, at the same time, I mean, uh, Lopez is starting to look like one of those guys that no matter how many ways you could figure one guy could do this or that to him, uh, you've got this. He's got this pop in the way he places punches that makes it really difficult to uh, to, 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 to count him out altogether. Uh, you know, Comey should have been a lot tougher a fight than it, than it was. Yeah. In so, I mean, uh, it's, uh, you know, I'm inclined to say Lomachenko finds a way, maybe gets defensive if he tastes uh, some of the uh, Lopez uh, signature, you know, pop early, but. Uh, I can't say it's in the bag, and I guess that, that's what makes it a uh, compelling fight tomorrow. Okay. What do you guys think? Yeah, that's that's an interesting that's an interesting uh, commentary. I still don't. Uh, that wasn't definitive, but that's okay. I mean, it's okay <laughs> if you're not definitive. You're kind of like straddling the line there. I felt that. And so, Harold, who do you got? Well, uh, looking over all the footage and. The commentary, and I still really like what Lomachenko is going to do. Uh, I feel like if, uh, Lopez has to thank him and put him where he can hit him. If he doesn't thank him, 
to then put Lomachenko where he can hit him. If he doesn't do that, he will lose. Lomachenko is going to score no matter what. Lopez just has to be able to get that power to to Lomo, and I don't I don't know if he can do that without fanning him and kind of tricking him so he can score. Ah, interesting, interesting. So there, the plot thickens. Both of you guys, I can't believe it. It's a Friday night. Y'all are going to make my night super difficult because I'm just going to tell you right now that ah, it's going to be, you know, Teofimo Lopez is going to go out there and, and uh, you know, I think he's just going to, the lion's going to be unleashed and it's going to be quite a night. Uh, I just don't see it, man. I just, uh, honestly, you know, there's just something, something about the eyes that just tells me and the preparation and the, you know, who wants it more? Who's got the most to lose? Who do you think has the most to lose in the fight? Well, I think if, uh, I think Lomachenko, based based on age and the expectations for him, no matter how solid a talent Lopez is, I mean, Lopez, it can almost be like uh, Canelo Alvarez facing Mayweather a couple of years ago. It's like, well, he's clearly got talent. Maybe it was a little too early against too big a talent. And you can write it off that way as long as he didn't get absolutely lit up. Whereas uh, Lomachenko, people would be like, oh, he's slowing down. Maybe he's not what he used to be. You know, this and that afterwards, right or wrong. I'm not saying that'd be a right assessment. I'm saying it would probably be his rep that takes a hit, you know, as long as Lopez shows up at all. Uh, more so than Lopez, even where or lose. So, wow, that'd be my that's, a good, that's a good point, Paul. Because Alvarez lost to Mayweather is largely ignored, totally. Right, half people don't remember that he lost. So, uh, uh, Lopez has he does have that that opportunity not not to be you know really hurt if he loses. Personally, I see this as a Mayweather. Gotti type fight. Oh, well. Where it's, it's going to be a blowout because once he realizes he can't <laughs> get to him and he's going to be kind of frustrated and he throws a wide punch. He doesn't throw anything straight. He just doesn't throw anything straight. He just doesn't. And because Lomo throws his stuff straight, you know, he's going to get to the target, short arms or not. He kind of, kind of has to dab like Tyson. He, he was always his reach was always short than anyone else. He outjabbed all of his opponents. So, right. And he was lying all of his opponents. So that doesn't even there. You know, he had this kind of skill level. So just as, just with my understanding, I just see him in a situation where he can get frustrated trying to land that power. And just the, the, the effort and the, and the will to land that power, if he doesn't land it, he's a sitting duck for combinations, for jabs for any kind of thing uh, uh, no one's going to want to do. Huh. Interesting. Interesting even more. So uh, <laughs> I haven't heard anybody. It sounded kind of, you know, <clears throat> a little uh, nature-like that nobody's talked about um, Teofimo Lopez's power. Like you haven't even, neither one of you have even commented on the power. So what's up with that? <laughs> I kind of alluded Paul, to it. Paul, go ahead. 
I just I, I kind of alluded to it, but uh, and I think uh, I think Harold did too. Uh, talking about uh, the Gaddy comparison, I mean Gaddy had a lot of pop, so it didn't matter against somebody as uh, uncanny a talent as Mayweather. If we're drawing the comparison between Mayweather and Lomachenko, it's almost like yeah, he's got the power, but what's he going to do with it? <laughs> If you can't huh. throw it right and can't find him, can't land flush. So. so so there isn't a scenario here for either one of you. We're gonna move right along here in this this uh boxing breakdown because <clears throat> we're about twenty four hours away from finding out the truth in this. And yep. <laughs> you know, we can speculate all day long, but you know, tomorrow is showtime and uh the business has been taken care of. And what's left to do is to get out there and uh, one one person against another person and show who, who's who's got the um, the medal. And tomorrow night, seven uh, seven o'clock, right? Seven o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, thirty is 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 on the card, and then at ten o'clock you have a welterweight fight, and then you have their fight. So they should get in there. But the other fight goes the distance around 11 o'clock. Right. If, the, if the 10 o'clock first fight goes the distance, they'll come in at 11. Right. And which that's... is a pretty good time. College football will be over. Uh, and yeah. people can tune in. And boxing can get a huge market share. Oh, yeah. And it's going to be on ESPN regular, right? Regular yep. ESPN. And it's going to be on ESPN Plus as well. And uh, it is brought to you by Top Rank, right? And so uh, Bob Arum's Top Rank, it should be a, an outstanding uh, card. And y'all should tune in if, if, uh, if I can get this uh, cast up. If not, you're going to be hearing this after the fight already happened. So we're going to see. It's going to be a fun listen for y'all Boxing Breakdown fans out there. And um, what I really, the reason I brought you to... Uh, super talented individuals uh, together is because I really wanted to get into the, um, the Canelo Alvarez the uh, zone and golden boy, uh, you know, lawsuit. I really wanted to get into that and I wanted to talk about it and really um, break that down for our listeners um, and I thought, what better people to have on than Paul Abraham Esquire and the judge, Harold Hunt. So that's what we're going to do. And um, I want I want to hear, hear what you guys think about this. Uh, you've obviously heard that uh, um, Canelo Alvarez, Sal Canelo Alvarez, is uh, suing uh, both parties. He's suing DeZone and he's suing Golden Boy. Um, and uh, I just want to know what you guys heard about that. Uh, Paul, of course, you are learned in this situation. I have <laughs> some questions that that the regular that the regular uh, uh, fight people, you know, who who can't really read, uh, you know, that type of document or understand <laughs> this or that. So I put together some questions and some understanding that we have as laymen, and maybe we can kind of clear it up and make it easy for us oh. to understand. So while we're sitting at the bar watching the fight and, and a Canelo comes up, some people can actually, uh, you know, 
Harold, I, Harold. I idea what, what they're talking about. Harold, just so you know, Paul and I, we've spent an hour talking about this. We already spent one hour having this conversation, and uh, Paul, oh, okay. Paul has tons. No, I'm just saying, like, we pre pre uh, the podcast for the listeners out there, I'm just being super transparent because that's how I roll. That's who I be. And I'm just saying, Paul and I really, we chopped this thing up and uh, there's so much color around this uh, thing. And the one thing I wanted to say um, uh, for y'all listening out there is that the contract, um, you know, was there's, there's three, there's three people involved, three parties involved. One is the zone, right. Eddie Hearn. You know, it's the zone. The second one is uh, Golden Boy and Oscar De La Hoya. And I believe that it's Golden Boy and Oscar De La Hoya separately that are being sued. And then also um, Canelo Alves. Canelo Alvarez is the uh, person who filed the complaint. So, Paul, give us a background on this. Well, well, I think uh, the big takeaway, the big question uh, from this case, and uh, which is fundamentally about, um, you know, the zone apparently not uh, being willing or, or able or what have you to uh, pay out what they represented they would uh, to, you know, to Canelo under the, their mega deal with him. It was only about, what, about a year or two ago I was signed. I mean, it just seems like they bit off a little more than they could chew potentially. And, and uh, I guess there's an open question of whether the zone, you know, when it was such a hot concept and when it was getting started, was able to fully appreciate that or not when it was signed. And uh, certainly the, the, the wild card on top of that, you know, you could say whatever about the success, the actual success versus the projected success of a new platform for uh, top-shelf boxing, but there's also obviously the pandemic angle. And uh, I think it's on top of that, and, you know, separated from any uh, any forces or projections that might be out of their control, uh, you and I have touched on this. Uh, uh, the question of, honestly, how many people in that weight range justify Canelo getting that kind of money every time he fights? And, uh, and if, they're, if they're, their views are or downloads or whatever don't justify it. I mean, you know, you could see how this, how these fissures could have started to happen with all these factors. Well, yeah. I mean, just, just to touch on that point there, Paul, you've got in the WBC, you've got Jamal Charlo, right? You got Jamie, excuse me. I think Jamie Mungia isn't, you know, Jamie Mungia is there. Sergey Devinchenko, Liam Williams, Kamal, Kamal Serrameta, right? There's, you, these are the guys that you have. Oh, okay. You've got Chris Eubanks, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Car- Car- yeah, Carlos Monroe, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Sergio Martinez, how he's, how's he, he's ranked in there. I'm not quite sure. Um, but I don't see anybody. Like, there isn't anybody, not in the WBC, WBA, IBA, IBF, or WBO, that could really produce the kind of fight that would be worth forty million dollars. Am I wrong? Well, definitely not. And again, the other comparison I drew for you last time—the hypothetical—I'm curious what Harold think about this. If you replace Canelo, uh, Canelo, in the time of his contract, and say Mike Tyson got a uh, this is his own contract during his prime, 
would he be able to justify it? The answer would seem to be a lot more conclusively, at least to be closer to justifying it than than, uh, than Canelo can. As far as the talent, he could go again. Because with Tyson, you know, depending what part of his peak or even shortly thereafter you're talking about, you had some guys that are worth a lot of money in and around the division. You know, Holyfield, Bo, Lewis, Foreman, uh, more probably wouldn't have lasted over a minute with them, but nonetheless, he had that reputation coming up from light heavyweight and won a title. Uh, you know, at heavyweight as a, as a solid technician, uh, you know, probably you know, Michael Spinks, which actually did happen, you know, and a number of marquee ones. Uh, <clears throat> you know, Biggs was a gold medalist. So, I mean, there's, you know, there, there's a number of guys where you could say, ah, you know, even with, even if you prorate uh, the money for late 1980s, you could say, well, Tyson could have justified something like that. But this weight range just doesn't seem to have that many. At this point in time, doesn't seem to have that kind of talent that would demand this uh, staggeringly hmm. large number per first. Well, and to put so, it in perspective, Paul, this is the largest. Well, it's both the largest boxing uh, contract, and it's also, I think, the largest sports contract for a single athlete. So it's it's a really uh, material contract. Yeah, this is a lot to a lot to represent. They can do for a startup, you know, uh, streaming service. A bit coming in at a time when HBO was being phased out, you could see why they think there was a huge opportunity, and there still might be. But it just seems the so how does he, <laughs> Paul? How does he sue for damages? Can you explain to the listeners? So the complaint, it's actually he's essentially suing Dazone. Uh, for one piece, and then he's suing Golden Boy for a separate piece, right, in the complaint. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that's my understanding. And it, it almost seems like, uh, you know, Golden Boy, to some extent, before I get into the uh, different different items in, in the complaint, is almost stuck in the middle. You know, obviously, they benefit handsomely. Canelo benefits handsomely under the agreement. Um, yeah, there's but, a couple. Know, perhaps of- some of this. There's What's a that? yeah. God, sorry, Paul. Go ahead. I was going to say perhaps some of this was beyond their control, such as finding investors or a network that could put up nearly as much as is guaranteed by the zone. But uh, as the complaint also alleges, part of this is put beyond Golden Boys, and you know, it appears that they made representations, uh, at least to a third Golovkin fight that would just, that'd be at least one example of justifying a first that size. Uh, that is a uh, marquee matchup in that weight range. Uh, uh, yeah. So. But, uh, and there's the question of refusal to pay the guaranteed sums versus an inability at this point. I mean, nobody seems clear on what their streaming rating, you know, viewership is. Well, uh, some of the facts, yeah. some of the facts, Paul, are that um, Golden Boy has a contract, I believe, a contract with DAZONE. And in that contract, there's something to the effect that uh, – the zone gives Golden Boy forty million dollars for for the fight, and, but however, right. uh, the Alvarez camp gets thirty five million. Right, right. So the yep. five million, yep. the different. I mean, if you do the math, there's five million that goes, I guess, to Golden Boy, right? And what that says, yes. what what that contract, and you can tell me better. You can tell the listeners in, in a much more concise way. But what I understood 
about the complaint is that um, Canelo is suggesting in the complaint that, um, or, or alleging in the complaint that uh, Golden Boy had an arrangement with DAZN that he had no prior knowledge about. He has no information. He hasn't seen the contract. He hasn't right. seen any of that information. And in addition, Canelo has a contract with Golden Boy, which stipulates that, you know, there's certain stipulations in that contract, which is completely separate. And so to the point, Canelo's contract with Golden Boy says that he gets to pick all his fights along with Golden Boy. And then Golden Boy's contract with DAZN states that DAZN gets to pick Canelo Alvarez's fight. And that is, in essence, the the basis of some of the complaint. And that, um, you know, there's, I got, obviously there's a breach of contract. They're complaining, you know, they're suing for damages and they're alleging breach of contract. Um, but also there's some other, you know, there's some other things to the complaint that maybe you can talk about, or maybe you just want to chat about what I just said. What do you think, Paul? Talk, yeah. talk a little bit about that. I cover a little of everything there. I mean, uh, you know, all of the other claims that rather than just breach of contract, they have a fraudulent concealment claim against Golden Boy with regard to the third canal, uh, the Lofkin fight. There's a breach of fiduciary claim against Golden Boy for basically, uh, trying to, preserve his further relationship with his own rather than just Canelo's once things started to turn south. Right. Um, and, uh, and then there's the breach of contract plan, which I think as I mentioned when we first spoke about it, you know, I, I would be curious uh, on such a lucrative agreement, what protections, if any, were written in towards the zone in a situation like this? Because uh, I have legal matters in different settings than this where uh, with, the, with the pandemic, for example, it wouldn't necessarily be limited to this. It, this could also have a cash flow issue. Also, uh, my understanding is that the, there's a soccer team acquisition recently that was cut uh, right to cut, a, cut away from that theory. But, you know, if, if for example, I had what's, what's known as a force majeure clause, it basically says that because of some world event or, or, or occurrence or disaster of some sort, their contract is utterly undoable as is. Uh, you would think they would at least try to argue that here. Right. Um, Interesting. Interesting. You know. And so, so Paul also, uh, zone, let's just get this straight for the, for the listeners. DAZN's contract with golden boy is primarily mm-hmm. a contract that's based on broadcasting, right? It's a broadcasting contract that he has with that, uh, zone has with the golden boy. Correct. That's my understanding. Yeah. It's okay. sort of an output contract. And yeah. then, and then, um, there's a promotional contract between Golden Boy and Canelo, right? Right. So, so just to clarify, so, you, so y'all, you know, you guys listening out there, and Harold, you know, you've been uh, really taking it all in there. I hear you. I hear your silence, bro. But you know, it's it's prim- <laughs> it's primarily there are two separate contracts that are rolled into one. Um, it's it, and it is rolled into one suit, right, Paul? Yeah, yeah, and they're just not. They're, I see where you're going. They're just not neatly being reconciled with each other. Wow, so man, this is more. This is sticky. This is more complicated than a, a plate of spaghetti turned upside down. 
Wow. Well, there were two suits. <laughs> there were two suits, supposedly. Two suits. And they're trying to get one judge to hear both suits. Right, Because right. the information from one suit can be, needs to be used for uh, you know, the conclusion of the second suit. And they want to use the same judge, so none of that will be an issue. And, and, and that's what the question that the layman has, I have. Why are they trying to use the, the one lawyer uh, to hear both suits? What is in exactly the second suit uh, that's being brought before the same judge? Hmm. And, and while and, and is that going to cause a, a longer type of situation going forward? Are we going to have him on the shelf longer because of the second suit? What do you think, Paul? Well, I think <clears throat> uh, the uh, the law school answer to why these cases would be rolled together is what's known as the common nucleus of operative facts, but. Uh, uh, <laughs> Just to break it down into you know, normal speak, essentially, uh, Golden Boy's problems with Canelo arise from the zone's problems with paying Canelo. And then because of Golden Boy's represent, you know, responsibilities to Canelo that aren't necessarily obviated by the zone agreement. So, um, yeah, so because a lot of it turns on what went wrong here, if anything, with, uh, with the zone, uh, with the zone agreement, uh, that's that's probably why they're trying to slam them together into one claim. So in this one lawsuit, because it's almost like once you figure out what's there, you could, whether it's in mediation or trial or or, or the court can actually sort this out on summary judgment. You know, at the end of uh, depositions right. and everything. You know, it's all relating to what's going on here with the zone. Why can't I get my money as promised from the zone? And what's Golden Boy going to do about me not getting the money? That I was promised from the zone. So Canelo, so, what are they? Paul Canelo hasn't even gotten a copy of the contract. I, I believe he has not even actually seen a copy of the contract that Golden Boy has with the zone. That it has not been produced. So what about that, Mark? You're going to get me to say the thing that you know that I usually like to say here. <laughs> <laughs> Fighters getting enough money sometimes. Or, or, <laughs> I have a tendency to just be happy to be there and you can't be. So Yeah, no there how- we go again. It surfaces its head <laughs> again, its ugly head. And you know the thing about it is I understood from my source that he that uh Canelo didn't even attend that meeting. The largest contract in sports history, the largest uh uh fighting uh you know uh, pugilism contract and he's not <laughs> even in the room. Like that's what do you think of that? It's got to be thinking strangely about uh, that old show, World's Scariest Police Chases. It's like the world's worst sports <laughs> negotiations. <like. laughs> the largest look at, one. <laughs> look at this idiot not attending his own contract negotiations. Doesn't he know he's going to get worse? <laughs> oh, my you know? gosh. But, <laughs> but like, that, I mean, uh, like, one of the takeaways for me, one of the things that I understand, you know, uh, representing representing fighters is that if you have a promotional contract and you have a a, a, um, a broadcasting contract and those contracts are separate with two separate entities, yeah. that contract better be exactly the same, Paul, given to both well, yeah, two parties. There has to be linearity. I mean, 
the same thing with a management agreement uh, and promotional agreement. You know, uh, if I'm obligated as a manager to get you six sites per year, and I don't have some language in there that says it's subject to a promotional agreement, which would uh, which would yield, right? You're right. I could still be on the hook for six sites a year, even if your promotional agreement falls to four. Yeah, a lot of those, a lot of the managers and a lot of these people, what they do with promoters, they say they, you know, they put it in a way and you know this because we've worked, we've worked some contract together where, where, you know, they're like, (laughs) well, I only have to offer just boxers beware, man. I only have to offer you a fight so they could call up. They'd be like, Hey, um, I got a fight for you tomorrow night with Mike Tyson. Want it? Heck no. And then you hang up the phone and you later find out that that was one of your, you know, that was one of your five fights that right. they offered you and you just didn't take it. Well, yeah, I went to an arbitration on that a couple of years ago because like this one promoter claimed uh, he was offering uh, ample number of fights per year. When it came down to the documentary evidence, these were even really there versus this promoter just looking at Boxer, I can say, say that would be a nifty fight. You know, it just wasn't there. So what, wow. what turned into a large event for a release, uh, the, the arbitrator ultimately told us both to go jump in a lake. Nobody's getting any money and the contract's terminated. Why doesn't so. that surprise me, man? Why? Why? <laughs> just, uh, nothing surprises me anymore. It's just like, like I would expect that. I mean, I've seen, well, we won't even get into that. That's another podcast. But, you know, I mean, I've seen some contracts, man, that are that are really, I actually had some contracts come to me and I'm like, man, am I just, does this guy think I'm just like that? He thinks I just like, like, I don't know my ABCs, I guess. And it, it, sometimes it's a little alarming, you know, that, yeah. Yeah. So no, but we, you know, here's the thing. I was thinking about this. What do you two think? Uh, actually, I want to ask Harold because I, I want to make sure Harold didn't okay. fall asleep on me over here. Harold. I just recaptivated, so yeah, go for it. Harold, where are you at? You there? Yes, I, I'm, I'm here. My brother. Okay, so listen, I got to ask you this question. What What do you think about Canelo Alvarez fighting Jamal Charlo at 164? Cha-ching! $40 million. What do you think of that fight? The money seems fair. Um, I don't know if Charlo can generate a good promotion with Alvarez to really justify that. I'm sure they can manufacture and get it there, but often, initially, I don't think, I guess that's the best opponent, but I don't really, don't really understand or uh, I don't really like that. Yet. You don't I like think, that fight uh, for who? For for uh, Alvarez. Well, in the WBC, I mean, I, Jamel Charlo is number two. He's right. I mean, actually, he's not even number right? two. He's the man. I guess he's the mandatory. Is that right, Paul? I think that I don't know off the top of my head. I think, I think he's a mandatory. Well, I, I, I don't. I, I really don't like it for him because I think he can be better than Charlo at this point. And I think you know Andre will be great. I think uh, one of the guys from across the pond will be good. Billy Joe. Well, those type of things where you have entire countries and continents behind the situation generate that buzz, generate that money. So, oh, so I you're so you're thinking that self, so you're thinking that Canelo. I'm gonna I'm gonna 
Canelo, if you're listening to this cast, I'm going to send this to you. And, you know, at the Boxing Breakdown, you're going to get it, right, uh, Canelo? When you get it, if you hear this, I want to know what you think about flying over the pond to fight some guy over there. Some guy that, what do you think of that? Oh, let me know. Hit me up if you like that idea. If you think that that, as long as you get your 40 mil, you'll be okay with flying over the pond or wherever you have to go to get the 40 mil. I mean, I guess I would be okay for, to, you know, for, I mean, for 40 mil, I mean, I'd fight in a uh, barnyard. I mean, wouldn't you guys? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> well the, the biggest fight that can be made now is Phil Fury and, uh, and, and Joshua. Over there, overseas, that's the biggest fight they can be made right now. Is over right, bar none. And that's because that's, that's because of, of, of the continent. The entire continent will be focused on that. Well, it's and also because it's the his, heavyweights. His, yes, but Canelo can take his 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 cachet over there, along with you know the, the continent. As I said earlier, I think it will do the numbers. I just don't. I mean, I just don't see who he fights. Who do you think he fights over there? Billy Joe <laughs> Saunders. Saunders could be a good one. <laughs> you think that's a forty million dollar fight? Uh, I think it's the the compliment Harold's point. It's the closest thing to a forty million dollar fight he really has so, out there. So why isn't the DAZN just like you know going into arbitration and saying, okay, look, we're going to give you a forty mil. Give us some time. Here's your next 40 mil. We got this fight. You know, we want you to fight, you know, the guy from over there. <laughs> Billy Joe Saunders. Yeah, I know it's Billy Joe Saunders, but really he's just from over there. He's from over on the other side of the pond. I mean, I just don't see how you build that fight. Like marketing. Well, I, I just, I'd rather see the Charlo fight. Billy Joe is a lightning rod. He does. He's been in the news for all kind of uh, <laughs> crazy things he said and done yeah, and suspended and this and that. He'd be great media. Uh, uh, he'd get some great media okay. attention. So what about Demetrius Andre? Andrada, Andrada, I apologize. What about him? Well, I think... Paul, uh, oh, please go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying, I think he pronounces it Andre, but uh, some fighters that were from Brazil in the past have pronounced it Andrade. Yeah. I was just, just going to point that out uh, trivially, but, but go ahead. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I mean, what do you think of that fight? Does that, does that you know, tickle your fancy? Or, or what about, okay, here's the one that started the whole mess. Because, and in the, in the complaint, I guess DeZone, what DeZone is saying is that, you know, Canelo had no, like they wanted the Golovkin fight and he didn't want that fight. And that was, I mean, that's a big sticking point in the whole thing, but he, they wanted, the zone wanted the fight in 2019, I believe, you know, like early 2019. So, but Golovkin is still around. He's, I think he's still, you know, I mean, he's the IBF, he's the IBF guy. He's, you got to go see him if you want to get into the IBF. So what about that fight? Mark, 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 that hell was no allure anymore. Been there, done that. I don't want to see it. You don't want to see that? I know, don't want to see it. It's done. What do you think that's going to be like? uh, How much do you think that would cost? A retread. It would probably be like a hundred and 
70 bucks or 140 bucks or something in order to make those numbers work? I don't know. As a pay-per-view. Oh, you, you want to see that? What's that? Do you want to see that? The Ruskin third side with all It was com- it was compelling, but uh, <laughs> you know, my, my life will go on without it either way. Uh, what do you guys boxing breakdown? We don't want to leave you out. What do you think? Hit me up. Send me a message. Hit me on Instagram at The Boxing Breakdown or Facebook at The Boxing Breakdown. Let me know if any of these fights interest you and who who would you like to see Sal Canelo Alvarez fight for $40 million other than yourself? Because I know, you know, if you, if you send me a message saying that it's yourself, I would understand why, because I'll fight him in a barnyard for 40 mil. <laughs> I've got a name, actually. I'm just looking at the ratings real quick uh, in the 160 and 168 weight range. One that might at least be attractive to Harold's point about going overseas or what have you is uh, uh, Murata over there in Japan at 160 WBA title. Um, you know, he was, I think if I'm thinking of the right guy, he was a gold medalist. You know, he's he got some talent. He's been inconsistent, I think. But uh, and I actually have Alvarez super champion there so you know uh, if you can make him an attraction just for novelty purposes over yeah. in japan that would be worth a few more dollars than, than a lot of the other ones we could talk about yeah uh, no i mean i i just yeah it's it's quite a debacle man i mean canelo canelo's in a, in a sticky situation here and the other thing is i believe that he this the suit is for damages and so do you think the onus is on Golden Boy as the pro, as the promoter to actually find him another broadcasting partner and another um, you know another place to fight or how's that going to materialize? Well, I think that was, that's uh, just because it, it was an unprecedented agreement beforehand and HBO has gone by the board. It almost seems unrealistic to expect Golden Boy to do that, which I think is a potential flaw in the complaint. Say so who is stepping up to do that? Right. Ooh, the zone threw stupid money at a couple of fighters once it was getting, getting started. You know, we, we're not sure how it did. Meantime, HBO, who threw stupid money at fighters for a while, is no longer in the business. Wow. Showtime keeps people exposed, but I don't think pays nearly as, as much. Ditto for ESPN. I mean, where are they going for this? Right. What, what magic pot of money are they pulling this out of? You can't even get live gates right now for the next, at least in most parts of the world, at least for the next several months. Well, they sort out the, uh, you know, pan- pandemic uh, impact here. Well, for Canelo, for for Canelo Alvarez, I mean, um, he would be remiss not to consider your advice because you know, the fact is, is that where else is he going to get forty million dollars a fight? Who who who's out there in the boxing landscape, or in the you know, I don't even know if the UFC would pay him forty million dollars a fight. Who, who would pay him $40 million a fight for 10 fights? Right. I mean, well, what, for argument's sake, I mean, even if you went up to light heavyweight, you have several compelling fights. You know, any of the title holders right there, better be a evil at scale. I still don't see that, them being $40 million either. <laughs> no, I mean, maybe two mil, no. three mil, five mil, somewhere in there. 10 mil, I mean, gosh, right. 10 yeah. mil sounds like a lot. I, yeah, I mean, uh, on the heels of a pandemic, ten million dollars. I mean, who's gonna who? First of all, who even has ten million dollars when you don't have the live gate? 
So even, you know, fighting over in, right. over the pond on the other side, you know, you're not going to pack 80,000, 100,000 screaming fans into Wembley Stadium. I mean, that's not going to happen. Not right now. Right. It's they're not going to happen. They're trying, to, they're trying to do that. You know, they're trying to put that together for a period in the, the future. Guys. Yeah. In 21. Yeah. Yeah, but why doesn't Canelo Alvarez think about the future like that? Why does the I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not jamming him. Look, God bless him. He's in a he's in a very powerful position as the uh you know, the uh plaintiff, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he has the plaintiff, he's in a he's in a great position to say, "Hey, listen, man, you promised me this money. You promised me these fights and I'm not getting either one of them. And I'm right here. I'm ready to go. And you're caught, you know, you're causing a hardship, you know, by, by promising but, but, me these things and not being able to deliver. But unlike Andre Ward's situation where, uh, he wanted, he wanted a, another, uh, promotional person involved and Goose and said, no, and he lost that, and then he tried arbitration twice, and he lost that, and he tried to say that the money uh, was misappropriated, and he lost there. Right. And uh, he set out a lot of time because of that. And uh, uh, it was only uh, uh, taken care of or finished when Goosen died. Because Goosen's last words supposedly were, keep Andre Ward out of the ring. Right. That's what he wanted to do. And he passed, and they put together a, 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 a document that allowed him to get out. But the whole thing was, just like you said, he had so many years he had to fight, but he was, he was hurt for two. He wanted to get out in seven. And Lucy said, hey, you've been, you've been down for two. You owe me, you owe me two more years because you were down for two. That was the whole crux of the whole situation. So, and then that differed from the Maki Garcia. Uh, lawsuits where Mikey wanted more money. He was forced to sign a contract and then he saw the contract was in air and he wanted more money. So he set out and went back and forth. Wow. And eventually, but he lost years of his time, uh, of, of his prime because of that. And they just let him out because they were tired of fighting. So this lawsuit is completely different because this is, you owe me money and you're not paying it. So I try to compare the three to find some correlation but I really couldn't find what I had to find was time out of the ring and that's what concerns about Canelo right. how much time is he going to be out of the ring concerning you too we know Ward lost a lot of money on the table because of that we know Mikey is scrambling to get his now because of his situation so how is Canelo going to deal with this being out of the ring not being able to fight is he losing his pride uh, is he losing his will? Uh, uh, that money can corrupt you. You don't want to train anymore. Why is why? What for? So <laughs> that's, those questions, those are questions I have. I mean, the money you already have. So those are questions I have. And, you know, most fans, I hope the boxing fans, we want to see him in the ring. What are our chances of this thing being taken care of where well, we won't talk about him in the past. Right. Right. Yeah, no, it's, he's on the precipice at this point of a, um, 
uh, career-defining uh, negotiation here. And Paul, if you were in the driver's seat of as counsel, head lead counsel on this case, what would you do? That's an interesting question. Um, first, as lead counsel, hopefully I'd have all the uh, operative contracts so I could figure out what's realistic to expect as far as outcome and manager's expectations. Because again, you're dealing with an unprecedented level of, of income that was being guaranteed here. Um, with all sorts of impediments uh, in place now, I get, you know, as we've touched on. But, uh, you know, uh, I always say to my clients, uh, I, I go as hard as you want to go. You know, we, obviously the attorneys have the strategy and the legal <laughs> know-how, but uh, the, the, usually the client has a super objective, and as long as that's rational, uh, that's what you go with. And, uh, you know, if his super objective is really to get every penny that he was promised, I mean, this could be a long battle. It just may not feel realistic or, you know, they maybe rather would fight him over it for a year or two and spend a far less money than they're spending to pay him for a fight uh, to, to say that this is either impractical or should be modified or, or wait to see what a mediator or arbitrator has to say, you know, when they or a judge, when they weigh the circumstances. You know, uh, I guess to answer my own question, I mean, maybe part of the here's the problem here. A lot of times when you're a plaintiff um, and you're coming at somebody in a monetary dispute, sometimes you can win simply by bleeding them and making them work on the defense. Here, however, um, there's no bleeding to zone in Golden Boy necessarily. Because <laughs> bleeding would mean that you're conceding to spending $35 million per fight. That's an awful lot of legal fees to get to that point. So why not fight it right now and see if it could be modified in some way or fashion? If I'm defense, if I'm plaintiff, I mean, that's why I say I'd, I'd like to see the contract and try to manage expectations based on all circumstances. But, uh, you know, there's no bleed here. No amount of money is going to equal in legal fees is going to equal one of his fights anytime soon. Right, so, right. And, I mean, look – he could probably spend about 30 of that 30 mil on, on legal counsel because the fight that he had with Galati Golovkin back in 2008, I believe he only got like a $5 million purse for that guaranteed purse. I mean, he might've made right. more, but I think his guaranteed purse was five mil. Right. So, you know, I mean, think about it. 35 mil per fight, Right. When prior to that, he was only getting five. Yeah, I mean, look, if, I, if I'm the zoner golden boy, I say to my counsel, here's 100,000, 200,000, make this guy suffer for a year or two while we sort this out. Wow. And put him on the shelf. So, yeah, man. That's, that's hardball right there. Yes and no. I mean, like I said, the, the number is so lofty. What do they have to lose by taking that approach? Right. <laughs> right. Right. So. Exactly. Yeah, man. I mean, meanwhile, well, would. So meanwhile, we're deprived of his skills in the ring. Unfortunately, it's true. Yeah, that's, that's the flip side. I mean, maybe Golden Boy and Dozone get some pushback as they lost their marquee talent. That could be the intangible that brings to the table for something on the higher end at some point. The counter is my own point. Right. Say, well, Golden Boy, who comes after Canelo that you're actually going to make his own money with in this deal? You know, that kind of money. Like, who's the next man up here? And, uh, they have a lot of talent, a lot of excellent talent, but uh, nobody quite uh, carries it like he does just yet. 
Yeah, that's so, for sure. Well, PVC and other competition could manufacture someone to take that void while he's sitting. Yep. <laughs> wow. Yeah, there's tremendous you know, risk on both sides as long as it drags out. But, uh, wow. Yeah, and I would say, to qualify my point, anybody that's below Canelo as far as regard, I probably would use that approach. Where, but however, Golden Boy in the zone lose money the longer Canelo's on the shelf too. He probably knows that. So does his, so does his attorney. Right. So, very interesting commentary. Very interesting discussion tonight on the boxing breakdown. If you like this podcast and if you enjoyed the commentary and if you're learning stuff about the sport of boxing and how things work, please remember to like and share our posts, but most importantly, download the podcast, give us a review, let us know how we're doing, and share it. Share it out, man. Share it with the other people in the boxing community and anybody else you think might really dig the podcast because uh, I'm trying to do something real special here in bringing information that's important, but also uh, can educate those of you that are are in in the sport and looking to come up. If you are looking for legal counsel, I will tell you that Paul Haberman is the bomb. He's a good guy. You can find him. <laughs> no, man. Hey, listen, man. You you know, what is so is what's so. And you are an amazing uh, lawyer. You do a great job. You represent your clients well. Thank I you. know that because I'm one of them. And, <laughs> you know, so I can speak directly to that. Full disclosure. <laughs> yeah, man. And I'm not, I'm not a, um, at all ashamed to tell to tell you that and to tell the listeners out there to, um, you know, like, um, we, we just did a podcast, uh, recently and, uh, you know, the, the message that came out of the podcast was protect yourself at all times. And you can't do that unless you have a good legal counsel. That's for sure. And, um, (laughs) and Harold, man, as always, it's, uh, it's a pleasure and you are a uh, professional boxing judge i know that you're busy i know you're getting more and more busy as the weeks go on and boxing uh slowly but surely opens up and uh you're, you're a man of uh, of, of character <laughs> and you're an honest man and you're always uh uh fair and impartial so that's that's those are good qualities and uh I just want to thank you too for being on the program tonight and chopping up the Canelo Alvarez lawsuit. And uh, I really do look forward to having both of you on the program in the future because you guys are outstanding guests. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Paul, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your insight. It was very clear. And I'm sure that uh, the people listening to this podcast will have a, a good understanding now. Uh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. And good, and good to hear your insights as well. I, I can't possibly bring that angle uh, that you have from having to size up all these fights uh, for a living. Uh, I, I just do that in the courtroom, size people up. You're doing it in the ring, and it shows <laughs> differential shows. You, you got some nice insights. Oh, man. Thank thank you. you guys are awesome, <laughs> man. And with that, we like you too, Mark. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I know we you do. You out of there. I know Thank you, you do, brother. I know you do, <laughs> and I appreciate the love. I really do, and I uh, appreciate the love from the fans out there. Thanks for listening in on another episode of the Boxing Breakdown. And with that, 
I wish you all peace, love, and happiness. Till the next time. This is your host, Mark Roxy, and I'm out. Fight fans, join host Mark Roxy and special guests as they break down all aspects of the boxing world, including news, business, management, training, promotions, fan reactions, upcoming events, matchups, future boxing stars, title fights, state of the boxing world, and all the stuff you don't see when you watch boxing. This podcast is released each week on Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Live streamed on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook Live. It's the Boxing Breakdown, hosted by Mark Roxy.